0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the resting place, South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon for more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I'm really grateful for everyone that helps. Um, And they know that I'm constantly saying thank you, but I even publicly, I like to say thank you. Ministry is not uh, something you do alone many of us because we got hurt through religion, we felt like well if I have to do it alone then I'll do it alone and God sees that. I did that right and it was it was it taught me a lesson right and but then also God taught me how to love the church outside to love the church inside and through having leaders that love me, encourage me, empower me, um, my heart has changed you know and I realize church like pastoring, if you think you're going to do it by yourself, you're crazy. Because there's no way. We God didn't call it a body part. God called the body. We really do need each other. And sometimes is the hardest thing for, for believers because so many believers have been hurt or have gone through like a religious system that kind of pushed them away or they feel lost in the midst of that, that we tend to feel like, I'll oh, just do it alone. And it's good that you're made up that even if you have to do it, if you found yourself alone, Right? Then do it. But it doesn't mean God wants you alone. If people reject you and abandon you, then yes, do it alone if you have to. But God is raising up believers. And 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 the world will see that we are sons and daughters of God through our love. And we always I'm an evangelist, so we always use that to the point of like, oh, she's not saved, so I showed her love, right? No, but the world will also see that we're sons, we it doesn't say that. The, the world will know that you are a child of God by your love. says we will be known as sons and daughters of God through our love. So it's speaking about we, and it's speaking about our, and it's speaking about us, which is corporate. It's together. Not saying that God won't use you, because I know some people miss. Everything could be misconstrued, misinterpreted. If you were rejected, nobody loved you. I went through a season where I wasn't rejected, where I wasn't loved, where I was, was pushed away. And I had to learn. God, I'm going to worship you no matter what, with support or without support. But it didn't mean God always wanted me alone. Adam walked for a season alone, and then God even saw it's not good for a man to be alone. And I'm not telling go get married. I think that's beyond that. I think it's companionship, uh, um, relationship, family. And when we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, there is such a might. There is such a power. There is such a glory. And that's not even the message. That one's free. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for the serve team members, for the serve team leaders. You know, it's, it's not easy. But when you have people together, it's easy. It's, it's better. It's like usually when I go to help somebody move. People's way of moving is crazy. I'm like, no, I'm not moving that way. You're going to adapt to my way. Everywhere, you invite me to move, watch. I'm going to be like, I'm going to mess your system up. Because people are like, carrying something big, like, oh my God, up and down the stairs. (laughs) Right? And then you got to walk all the way back and pick the other thing. And you got to carry it. You know, and you're exhausted. Jeremy, Heather, come over here real quick. Standing, one here, one over there. You can stand here you can stand right over there look how easy it's heavy but you pass it over okay you pick it up and you pass it over okay thank you <clears throat> ministry could be that ministry was created to be that but so many people are moving alone and I, and you have a reason Nobody wanted to help you. I had a reason. Nobody wanted to help me. Nobody believed. But when you meet people that do believe, then you need to stop blaming them for what they did. Don't blame your new wife for what your ex-wife did to you. Don't blame your husband for what your ex-ex-ex-ex-ex-girlfriend did to you. She cheated on you, but this one's been faithful. Why is this one paying the price of the one that hurt you? Why is this church paying the price for the pain you went through in your other churches? Why is your family paying the price? Why are you paying the price? You can't even enjoy the fullness of the love of God because you're still walking in the path. The old has passed. The new has begun. And God is raising up a church of love. We are, that's why, yes, we're different. Some giggle and some don't. Some fall and some stand up. Some run, and some stand still. Go to a playground. There's all sorts of kids. You know, I un- let me tell you, I understand the joy, and I understand the stillness. God has allowed me to experience the waves. When you go to an amusement park, there's the still rides, and there's the crazy rides. Some of these shouters, they're on the roller coaster, and you're simply on the merry-go-round, and it's okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We all experience God in different ways. And and, in a lot of churches, if if one church, the anointing is laughter, then everybody needs to laugh. And if you don't laugh, there's a problem. And then if you go to a church where everybody's silent and then you laugh, oh, my God, there's a problem. And if everybody falls and you don't fall, there's a problem. And if nobody falls and they all stand and you fall, then there's a problem. I'm like, as long as we do everything in honor and respect, you know, then, hey. If, 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 if somebody, let's say, doesn't know a certain movement, hey, come over here. If you like dancing and, you know, people are sitting there, then go to a space where nobody has, there's nobody, and then you grab your flag and wave it. But why wave it where the people are at, and then you hit them, they get offended, they get bothered. We honor, we love, we encourage, we build each other up. You know, and, and there's not that big of a space, but we have to educate as we grow. And educate as we experience the Spirit, right? Because a lot of things go wrong when churches start experiencing revival. Either people think it has to look this or look that way, it has to be this and not that. And yet, God is doing the body very different. We all react different The fivefold is not the onefold. Is the fivefold. God created apostles that are the visionaries. They're the ones that point. They're the ones that not point the way, but they're the ones that have a vision. They're the ones that choose leaders. They're the ones that equip people. They get them moving and going. You have the prophets, the ones that are connected to heaven. That's their gift. Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman not fighting with each other because they'll have different abilities. The abilities complement one another. They don't compete against each other they complement. it's only one letter off maybe two l and n you know they don't compete they complete okay so then you have the evangelists, the ones that love going out and reaching it doesn't mean because i'm an evangelist i'm gonna shame you oh how dare you call yourself a christian and you don't even talk to nobody how dare you you don't lay hands on nobody. no that's not it if I'm a true evangelist, I should be equipping you and encouraging you, motivating you to go out. Because it's wonderful to go out. The pastors have the heart for the people to grow the church. The teachers are about the studying of scriptures, making sure everything's in line. So you might get questioned. Maybe you do something out of order and a teacher might be like, hey, what is this? And it's not that they're judging you. It's the very gift that God gave them to discern. To know, what is this? so And we need to be open. Be like, there's different people in the body. I might be a prophet. You know how many times I've gone through stuff? Because I'm like, oh, my God, I just saw some awesome, but for people, it's weird. But the prophet be like, oh, I see, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a vision that I've had that totally, like, blew people's mind. I remember the first time, if you look in the back, there's a painting on the corner. Frankie, can you bring me the, the flower girl with the harp? And so I'm I'm prophetic and I'm also evangelistic, right? And pastoral. And I wasn't even talk going to talk about this, but I feel God is leading me this way for a quick moment. So I want to share this because as we grow, we will learn and we mature. I want to see a mature church because division comes when these things are not handled and they're not explained. I remember years ago I started experiencing supernatural, right? And for somebody that that doesn't see in the spirit, this might be totally weird, like. What is that? A flower with a heart and blah, 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 right? And I remember it was weird for me, but it's my gifting. I'm not expecting, if you're not prophetic, I'm not expecting you to get it. I'm not expecting you to get it, but I'm expecting you to discern it. And I'm expecting you to listen and I'll explain it to you. And then you'll see the powerful testimony behind it. Years ago, 20 years ago, God opened up my spiritual eyes, takes me out of this dimension into the glory dimension. And I'm literally seeing things. Um, when my eyes opened, like when somebody's high, stone, drunk, I was gone. But I was in church praying. And all of a sudden, getting get knocked down on the ground. When I stand up, I thought people in my church were like, went and got costumes and dressed themselves up. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what what are you people doing? And they didn't even know what I was seeing. But it was all I was seeing in the spirit realm. And God, I thought they went and got shields and swords. I'm like, where did you guys pull out swords? Why are you holding shields? You know, I didn't know. I've never been in the spirit realm. And then God started speaking. No, you're you're that's the sword of the spirit, that's the shield of faith. And everything was explained. But they all look like people, so that made sense to me. But this one girl, she was a worship leader. I see her as a flower. And at that moment when you're the glory, you don't question. You're just like, Well, this is beautiful. But then when you come back to your rational mind, you're like, I was freaking out. I was like, why did I see her as a flower? A living flower? Am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? So I see her. I see this garage and it was dirty and there's a whole mess in this garage. And then there's this flower and the Lord brings me to forth in front of this flower. Yeah. And as the Lord brings me in front of the flower, um, I see that the flower was alive. Like a living flower? Let me just put this here. And it was a living flower. And the flower was playing his heart. Uh, um, it had a heart. And the heart was a harp. And the flower is playing a heart that is a harp. Right? And I'm like, Lord, this is real. But it, when you're in that realm, it's so beautiful. It's like a wonderful, marvelous dream that you just, you don't even know how you think these things, right? And the Lord goes. But at the same time, I'm literally laying hands on the girl, and I'm prophesying to her. And the Lord was saying, she's a flower. Because it doesn't matter how ugly the place may look. A flower will always bring beauty. Right? She's like, oh, my God, my heart is melting. The way the Lord is talking to me. You know? Because the Lord is poetic. And then the Lord says, and her heart is a harp. Because it doesn't matter how bad you play a harp. It will always play a beautiful melody. And that's her heart. People have treated her bad. But all that comes from her is worship. You know, she gets thrown on the ground in the spirit. She has a God encounter. And then I sit down and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm crazy. Why did I see a girl as a flower with a heart that's moving? That's, you know, you just like your mind starts going and doubting immediately. You come back into your physical self. You start going into doubt, doubt mode, right? But you have to stay in faith mode. You're seeing the evidence that God's ministering to her. But I was doubting. Nobody knew I was doubting. I was seeing the move of God in the room. But I sit down, I'm watching everybody, and I'm like, I'm crazy. This one was really crazy. This one had to be wrong, because that's what we do. This time I messed up, right? That, that was always like this time, and then she gets up from the spirit. She gets up and comes to me, and she starts hitting my chest like that. She's like, "What's my name?" And I'm like, "Ah!" Now I'm like, Leilani is your name? What's wrong with you?" She's like, "But what's the meaning of my name?" I was like, I don't know what what's my name, and I'm like, I don't know. Is it Hawaiian? She goes, It is Hawaiian. But what's the meaning of my name? I'm like, I don't know. What is it? She goes, Heavenly flower. When you look up Leilani in the in the one you know name dictionaries, and you look at the meaning of my name is Abraham. It means father of many nations. People prophets used to see me. They're like, Oh, there's a lot of little sheep that follow you one day you'll be a pastor like there's never been a pastor before. I'm like 21 years old. I don't even know the Bible. What are you talking about, bro? You know, and God will speak. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I didn't understand. You're going to be father for many people. I'm like, I don't even, to this day, I was like, I don't even got kids. I do got kids. Look at this room. You know, that's going to mean I'm your spiritual father, but that's what a pastor does. He's like a dad. He loves, he prepares a house, takes the care of the kids, whether they're his kids or not his kids. A real dad, It's not a man that has three kids. No. If there's five kids in the neighborhood that don't have a father, that father will get those kids gifts. That father will open the door. That father will go and play basketball with them. That's a father. You might see foster children and not have real children, but you'll take care of them. You're God's kid. So if I put my life to love you, I'm a father. And then Leilani literally means heavenly flower. And she said, don't you ever doubt what God shows you. You know, and I was like, "I'm done." And over and over, it still happens. God shows me something weird. It's it's weird, but it's beautiful. It's not like monster, not. It's something really artistically beautiful. So all I could do is paint it. I want to become like a like a Picasso or like a Michelangelo and create these these beautiful graphics. You know, I want to. That's my goal. I want to draw like that, not like this. You know, but whatever, it'll happen. <laughs> Um, but it has its own little flavor, and I think I could work for Disney. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think people would love my movies. People would say they're like, "Wow, that's really beautiful." These people are visionaries. They have purity in their minds and create this encouraging, beautiful movies. Um, but anyways, I didn't get it, right? And I didn't. I, and people didn't get me either. But now, like resting place, my pastor, he's a apostle. And I have Tracy that's a prophet. And, I, and I'm a an evangel- prophetic evangelist. And there's Jimmy that's a pastor. And there's Scott that's a teacher. And we come together and we understand each other. So when I look at you guys, I know none of you are like any other. Every single one of you is unique and you have your own superpower. And I don't want you to be. I never want anybody to come here and think. I need to be like that one, or I need to laugh like that one, or I need to speak the tongues they speak. You're never going to speak the tongues I speak. You're never going to move in the same anointing I move. You're never going to preach like I preach. When you start preaching, watch. You're going to sound like you. If you sound like me, I'm going to be like, sit down, because you still didn't get it right. You're trying to be like me. I know out there that people tell you that, but I don't believe that. I don't believe God made carbon copies. If your DNA is completely different than mine, if my fingerprints are completely different than yours, if the way that I think, that I look, that I act, that I live is different than yours, then I believe the anointing that's in you is going to drive you to be exactly who God made you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now, I could go into the message. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I had to say all that. Um, so, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm gonna be sh- today, I'm really going to be sharing my testimony, but it's not my testimony to in- to make you like me. I want to encourage you to follow God's leading. I want to encourage you to not feel shame for your story. There's so many Christians, trust me, they write to me. I know what I'm talking about. I don't expose their stuff that are struggling with even giving their story. There's a way you could give it professionally and properly in public, right? There's a way that I speak at a club when I go minister to people. I love the streets because I get to talk real, like bleh, like nobody's watching. I could be me. You know, I'm still me here, but you, you're you cautious with what you say because you have a specific audience. You have people listening to you online that don't even know who you are, and there's people just ready to hunt you down or looking to, you know. Because there's bondage in them that God wants to break and deliver them. So I don't think they're my enemies. The forces controlling them to bring division and destruction are my enemies. You know? But I want to share my story to encourage you not to be like me. But to walk in the freedom that God's given me. To walk in the same joy God's given me is the same joy. It's going to look different. I feel joy. I start painting and I start dancing. Rhonda feels joy. She starts hollering. And she goes, Ugh. that's Rhonda. And when I know Rhonda does that, I know she's feeling God. It might look weird to people, but she's just—it's like a little kid. Touch a puppy, like my dog, right? He, he acts really weird when I touch him. He touches it, and he goes, and then he goes, he runs like that. And he just runs. Like, I know as soon as I touch him, he's going to get really excited, and he's going to do, like, 500 laps back and forth, all curved, you know. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> that's how he reacts. Frankie touches him. He doesn't do that. My mom touches, he doesn't do that. I touch him, he does that. And I go to him, fire. He's like, rah, rah. I'm like, fire. Rah, rah, rah. I'm like, do you feel fire? Yeah, I, don't, like, I, I always wonder if he feels it. Because I do that to him and he reacts. I'm like, and my nieces and nephews were the same way when they were little. I used to be like, we we're playing PlayStation. Be like, holy ghost. And they'll fall. I'm like, mommy, they fell out for real. <laughs> that was literally like 15 years ago. They were little. They don't even remember. Anyways, I just want to encourage you to. don't be, I don't, I know Paul said it, be an imitator of me, I'm imitator of Christ imitate Christ, just imitate Christ, I don't get it right all the time I can only share what I feel has worked for me, but I want to encourage you I'm not ashamed of my testimony and people that come here you are going to hear my testimony over and over again, because I'm not ashamed of it, I know there's power in my testimony it's different, yeah, I sinned different than you I acted different than you, I looked different than you, but I was on my way to hell just like you and Jesus delivered me just like He delivered you. amen so at, um, at the end of the month um, on Mar- march 26 we're going to go out to for God Adores you is an organization that goes out into the streets um, at gay pride events and we minister to the uh, LGBT community love and identity we don't go to we don't go to disciple. The streets are not the place to disciple. Discipling means you're going to dedicate your life to love people, to be there for them in the good and the bad, like I do with you guys. You walk with them through life. You hear the ugly. You hear the messy. And then you release wisdom. Okay? That's discipling. For me, evangelism is, hey, God loves you there's a hope there's salvation it's using the prophetic gift it's using song using whatever gift god's giving somebody's sick pray for them they don't have to believe in jesus to get healed what they if you believe in jesus you lay the bible says for those that believe they will lay him they lay hands on the sick and the sick recover it doesn't require the sick to believe it requires you to believe i'm preaching right now not because you believe me I don't preach for people to believe me. I preach because I believe. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you see notes? No. It's a constant overflow. Because somebody spoke to me, produced life. So then I could go and start speaking to others of what he's done in me. Well, I don't know that much Bible. Religion tells you, you don't know 500 verses. You can't go to the streets. Do you know that Jesus died for you? Were you a sinner and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then you're ready to tell somebody. The thing is, too many Christians think they're going to the streets to disciple. No, you're going to the streets to gather the harvest. You don't process harvest in the streets. Some people pick the fruits. They bring it to the factory. And in the factory, they process it. You pick up the grapes. Do you, do you make wine in the field? No. You take the grapes and you bring them to the thresh. No, not the threshing floor. The vine thing that you put them and you crush them. I forgot what it's called. You take the wheat and then you take the wheat. You don't process the wheat in the field. You take the wheat, you bring it to the threshing floor, you grind it. It goes through a process. You don't make the the jar in the mud outside. You pick up some mud, you bring it to the potter's wheel so it could be cleansed, it could be transformed. I think church is the wheel. I think church is the threshing floor. I think church is the factory. Where things are being processed. Too many believers are going to the streets trying to convince people of their sin. No, the Holy Spirit's job says, Jesus said, It will be a benefit, you benefit to you that I leave. For when I leave, I will send a friend, and the friend will lead you to all truth. And he will convict you of sin, not condemn you. Hey, that's wrong. Hey, should try it another way. Hey, that was a little too aggressive start talking nicer to this person. I hear him all the time. My life has changed more now than when I used to live in the law. Because when I was living in the law, I was trying to change myself. I need to stop smoking. I need to stop sleeping around. I need to stop everything. I need to, I need to. And I couldn't do nothing. The moment I started listening to the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, convict. I get more convicted that you should see me in bed in the middle of the night replaying my whole day. He said, like, you know this moment you spoke to that sister, you shouldn't have done, maybe you should have been this. And that one, you didn't correct as much as you should correct it. And this one, you need to sit in the office. And I'm like, God! This is a lot. But it's awesome because he's guiding you through it. And he convicts of sin. He convicts of righteousness. He lets you know that Jesus is coming back again. But we want to go do the work of the Holy Spirit. I am telling you, a lot of Christians struggle with evangelism. A lot of Christians struggle with telling the world that they're loved because you're mixing religion with Jesus. I am people always say, you make it so easy. You're so good at this. I'm like, people, I'm I'm gonna go have a conference in Miami for evangelism. I don't even think, I don't think I'm good at it. I'm in love with God. And when I hear his voice, I follow. It's easy. You feel it. I know you feel it. I know you felt like pulling over and giving somebody a dollar and you didn't do it. I know you felt like telling somebody, oh, I I should tell them that Jesus loves them. But no, let me go. I tell you, I was the same place. But then I started stopping. Hey, excuse me. I, I just heard God. And God says he loves you. And I don't know, you felt it, right? You know I mean it, right? I'm looking right into your soul. And I'm purposely telling you he loves you. It's not even practice, like I'm really purposely doing it right now. Do you feel that? Right? It just, Te amo, dice Dios. Right? You look at people right in their eyes. People know, they're going, let me tell you the script, because you don't believe. You don't believe. You're not ready. Let, let me tell you, he healed me. He met me in a broken place. I just want you to know you're loved. I want you to know he's going to bring you out of that pit. I know you're lonely. I know you're struggling. I know there's questions you have that you say, why? But God says, don't worry. I hear you're crying. I'm about to answer. Was that true or not? You see how easy? Look in their heart. Look in their eyes. You cannot judge them. Because I know that when Jesus saw them, I know Jesus was walking by. And I, I know. I know he used to see the woman at the well a few times. You know, I'm going to get her. It's like when you go fishing, you wash your fishes. I'm going to get that one. When you go shopping, it's like, that's the one I want, right? And you work hard to get that one. I didn't want this one. I wanted that one. I'm going to wait because... For how long? I was, I was even telling Frankie and my family, I want a big bed. I'm in this little bed. I'm having back pains like for a year. He always goes, God always gives you why, everything you want. And I go, because I wait. Because I wait. I could have gone by my old bed, right? I could have it, but I was like, uh. And then I don't know where my friends like, God, God told me to buy you a bed. They didn't even know. You should see how my bed is this big now. I got it this week. I got to jump. You know how I'm tall. My bed is this big. I'm literally going like this. I'm like, yes, I feel little. (laughs) God will bring things when we wait on the Lord. And there's a beauty of it. And it's not saying, oh, I'm Mr. Powerful Wait, Mr. Wait. I'm cool at waiting. No. You know how many times I stumbled, flipped, and flopped, and broke my head before I got it? You know how many times I saw people in the street? And I felt it. And I used to tell my pastor, I was like, back in Jersey, like, I feel God calling me to the streets. Oh, you better not go. You better be careful with the spirits in the streets. And I used to be like, but why? If the Bible says that greater is he that's in me that he's in the world, why is my pastor telling me to be afraid of the world? Demons will manifest. My pastor will run that way. And I'm like, attack. And he's like, Run. I'm like, wait, you're the pastor. <laughs> then people had a problem with me. I'm like, There's a, if, if a thief comes into my house, I, if somebody comes in here to kill us, I better be the first one to get shot. I better be the first one to go fight. That's what pastors do. They fight. They protect the sheep and fight off the wolves. That's what a father does. A, fa- a real dad is going, are you not going to protect your kids if somebody came to kill them, to hurt them? Oh, oh, you wouldn't protect, if you're in the street with her, and somebody came to attack her. Will you not? Right? It's like, honey, I might die today, but this is it. We're going down. Right? I'm protecting what God gave me. You know, so where was I going with this? I totally was just like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a professional Christian. <laughs> Part two. So, you know? But anyway, I totally lost my train of thought right there. <laughs> Anyways, Holy Spirit speak. But, you know, oh, yeah, my, they were afraid. I remember in two thousand four, two thousand five, I knew my testimony. And God told me, He said, go to, go to go to the gay pride parade in New York City. What will I do there? He's like, Go preach to them. <laughs> what? And then I felt it. So I went to my pastor and I was like, On this day there's a gay pride parade in New York City, and God said I have to go. You might catch a spirit. Already caught it. I caught the Holy Ghost a long time ago. Ha, ha look at you. <laughs> I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to come down. I got baptized with the Holy Spirit November 21st. 2000, no, it was November 21st of 1991. Some of you weren't even born. Wait, I got the Holy Ghost shakes. <laughs> I was getting Holy Ghost, and you didn't even exist on earth, but you did exist in heaven. That's amazing, right? Anyways, they were afraid. But I remember I went. It was me and my, my friend Karen, my friend Melissa. We didn't do much. We spoke to one person. We were just we didn't know what we were doing. We were so afraid. We are like thousands of people. We are just like, what do we do? But the fact that we went, we were literally scouting out the territory of the enemy. Yeah. We really were and I didn't know that. That was two thousand thousand five. That same day that I went, a uh, prophet came to the church and preached. And I called my, he goes. My pastor called me like, where were you? You didn't come to church today. I was like, I, I was at gay pride. He's like, that makes sense. The message today was the priests don't walk in the between the dry bones, but prophets do. Priests don't walk in the in the valley of dry bones. Prophets walk in the valley of dry bones, because prophets have authority to prophesied with the dry bones so they could come back to life. I will be there. Because I was there before by myself. And when things didn't make sense, you saw those kids in the background in the shadows crying, in the car. That used to be me. I was the kid that wanted to end his life because I didn't look like anybody else and I didn't feel like everybody else and churches couldn't deal with someone like me this close of ending my life and then God loved me and God chose me and God called me as a prophet to the nations. And here we stand. In 2004 I went out with two friends not knowing what we were doing. This is not even my organization. This is my friend Wally. She's been here before. I didn't know that one of those people that I was going to meet in a club one day who rise up for Jesus. I didn't know that that same girl that I met on March 17, 2007, when I was home crying because Christians were calling me words as fact. I'll say it. Because it came from Christians' mouth. It came from my own pastor's mouth. It came from people that I admire's mouth. The moment I started giving my testimony, I'm like, well, I'm not here promoting it. I'm here promoting Jesus and how Jesus met me, where he met me, but a chance wasn't given, so I was home crying. I was home broken. I was hoping I would die on March 17, 2007. And then Jesus came into the room. You know, how many know that when Jesus comes into the room, something happens? Ah. Oh, Jesus comes into the room. Mm. When Jesus comes into the darkness, he makes it light. When Jesus comes into disease, he makes it healing. When Jesus comes into the bondage, he sets you free. When Jesus comes into your depression, he gives you joy. That's why I see people here laughing. I don't stop them. Because God says they were going to commit suicide. And now they laugh. When I see people dancing, I don't stop them. Because some of them at one point couldn't walk and God healed them. And now they dance for Jesus. When you see me preaching and dancing and skipping and speaking in tongues and nonstop Jesus, it's because at one point, nonstop, I didn't have Jesus. one point in my life, nonstop, all I saw was death. Nonstop, all I heard were cries. Nonstop, I wanted to die. Nonstop. I was looking here, looking there, sleeping everywhere, thinking that if I slept with someone, they would love me. And yet, the one that really loved me made me pure. They didn't want to use my body; wanted to heal my body. Okay. Hello. I know you've been there. I know you. You. I. I know you know I'm not speaking lies, because I don't got time for that. In March 17, 2007, the Lord came into my room. I lived in a basement. This tall. I used to bang my head all the time. I literally used to walk like this. Maybe that's why I have uh, sciatica now. (laughs) Who knows? Jesus. We had one window in the front. The rest of that basement was dark. I used to cry. I was like, I want to get out of this basement. And now I want to own a home with many windows and a patio and super tall ceilings. God is good. God is good. God will deliver you from some stuff. And he said, you hear me? Why are you there crying? Do you not know that with the same sword that Goliath was going to kill David, David cut off Goliath's head? He said, and the sword is a symbol of words. Take the S, a beginning of sword, and put it at the end. I'm telling you, Jesus will take you to Sesame Street. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm okay. like, and then I saw, I literally saw the S go like this. The words, woo, you know? He goes, and with the same words that Satan is trying to kill, you see, he didn't say the church was trying to kill me. He didn't say people are trying to kill me. I didn't even understand that my battle was not against flesh and blood but that my battle was against principality and strongholds in the atmosphere spiritual forces that we can't see and if people have darkness in their heart they surrender to it they don't even have a choice when you have peace in your heart you surrender to God and you speak and you prophesy you don't even make a choice about it well the same thing happens when you're walking in darkness and brokenness people might think you got it together but if there's brokenness in you you might just look at somebody go you can't do that You'll never overcome that. You know how many believers that came out of their mouth? And I'm like, I rebuke the devil. Why are you rebuking me? I'm not, I'm not rebuking you. I'm rebuking the devil that came out of your mouth right now. And that used to show me that there was some darkness there. Oh, be careful. A spirit might get on you. Bro, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He's put his armor on me. Salvation and righteousness, truth, peace, spirit, and faith. And what can come against me? If the enemy comes against me one direction, he will flee. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In seven different directions. Because you have a sort of spirit to split him in seven pieces. You think you don't have authority? The problem is you don't understand the word. But when you understand the word, a believer claiming to be believer can come to you with a spirit of doubt. And you need to stand up against not the person, against the spirit. Jesus, Peter, oh, you can't die. I rebuke you, Satan. For this purpose, I was created. We get violent in the spirit. See, I'm jigglypuff. I'm really in at moments in the joy of the Lord. But let a demon try to come up in here. You're going to see me turn into a kung fu panda. I'll pull out a sword of the spirit. You might fall out. I'll be like, I kid you not. I saw when you pulled out a sword. People told me before. They're like, oh, my God, I saw when you pulled out a sword. I'm like, you saw my sword. Finally, somebody saw it. I've been telling people I have a sword and they don't believe me. You know, it's just invisible. (laughs) But that's the way that God works. The enemy will have to flee, will have to scatter when you know the word of the Lord. And then the Lord said, you're going to cut off with the same words that he's trying to kill you. God can't use somebody like you. I'm not even saying I'm that. I'm saying that's why he met me. But the enemy will come to accuse you, to bring shame of your past so you cannot stand for your future. That's what he does. He tries to keep you there. He knows you're not even there, but he's going to just be in your ear like, oh, but you did this, you did this. And God's like, I forgave you. I forgave you. Let it go and enter your destiny. So he said, with those same words that he tried to kill you, you're going to get up in his territory, and you're going to cut off his false authority over your life. And I just got up. It was like 11 something at night. I start getting dressed. I remember the shirt that I was wearing. I was wearing a brown shirt. It had like a, like the mark of a postmark. And it said, signed, sealed, and deliver." And it had the little hand like a stamp with the hand. And I remember that shirt. My friend remembers that shirt. It was a brown shirt, blue jeans, brown shoes. And my dad goes, look, it, it came even through my father. He goes, where are you going at this time? Oh, I'm going. Because the Lord says, get up. You're going to a lesbian bar. Just like that. I was like, okay, get up, get dressed. My father goes, where are you going at this time? Oh, I'm going to a lesbian bar. My father's a Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> you ever had a Pentecostal parent? <laughs> you might give them a heart attack. If you tell them you're going to the lesbian bar, I mean, hello, I'm a dude, I'm going to a lesbian bar, don't worry. <laughs> and that <ain't> going to happen. <laughs> I'm saying, let's be real. <laughs> This is how I talk in the streets. Just real. People laugh. They love it. They're like, man, finally a real preacher, you know. But my father's like, uh, when I was in the world. And I'm not even, I love my father. I take care of my dad. But I feel like I have to share this story, right? So people can understand the reality of who can come against you at that moment. It's not saying that they are the devil. But you're going to be tested. And people will have unbelief about many things. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to heaven. They just can't believe for you. Because you're called to believe for you. When I was in the world, I left all those things behind. And I'm like, but he didn't even understand what I was going through. And I'm mad. I'm like, it's your people calling me names every time I go to church. You know, I'm like even letting out my anger on him. Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm in church, going to church, trying to be with God. And all these people treat me like garbage. And now that I'm going to go obeying the voice of God... God, I wouldn't tell you to go to no bar. You don't even know where God could tell you to go. Did God not tell Jonah to go to Nineveh? Did God not send angels to Sodoma and Gomorrah? Everybody talks, oh God, destroy Sodoma and Gomorrah. But did God not send angels there before? There was at least one person that could, in that town that could be saved, and God saved them. The wicked didn't want to change. But if there's one person, at least one person in that club, in that bar, if there's one person in that parade, then it was worth it. It was worth the persecution. It was worth all people trying to knock down the doors to criticize, to rape me, to use me, to abuse me, to do whatever they want. But if it's one person to get saved, then it's worth it. Because there is somebody praying for that person. Abraham was praying for Lot. God was friends with Abraham. He said, I'm done with Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm destroyed. Wait, wait, Lord. If, there, if there's 60, can you save them? If there's 10, if there's one, one. If there's one. He said, okay, can you find one? God knew, that, God knew there was only one. Okay, go. Let's get that one. Let's send angels. But people didn't want, people wanted evil. They wanted to use the messengers instead of repenting. Instead of saying, wow, what a beauty. They were dark, but there's still one there that obeyed, one that got out on time. And that's why we're chosen. Maybe a million will ignore me, but there was one that heard me. And the Lord says, there is someone in that bar that needs to hear of me tonight. My father didn't get it. Oh, when I left the world, I stopped going to those places. And I remember I stood in front of the door. I was walking out. And I was mad. I looked at him. I was angry. And I was like, Well, let me tell you something. I'm from the church that the Bible says the gates of hell should not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And tonight I'm going to knock down the gates of hell. And I threw the door. And then I got in the car and God said, Call him. And I'm not lying to you. I called my dad and the Lord says, Apologize. And I did. But I was still standing against the enemy. Not my father, but the demon that was trying to stop me from going. As soon as I went from Newark, New Jersey, all the way to Queens, New York, to a place called Chueca in Spanish. Chueca, which means collision. I didn't read spiritual signs like that back then. Now it's funny. It's hilarious that I met somebody for Jesus at a place called collision. That was the collision spot. I parked the car. And a girl on the line is like, oh, my God, that man over there is shining. People are like, what are you talking about? That guy's shining. You crazy. So one of the girls comes, hey, I I need you to meet my friend, Wally. Why? Oh, because she says there's a light around you. (gasps) It's her. I immediately know. God told me somebody there needs to hear from me. I didn't know who. I just went by faith. Like, okay, I'm going to go. I still can't believe I did that. I still think about it. I'm like, I was crazy. Like, hear this voice. Follow it. You know, like, every time I moved in my life, I've heard a voice and I followed it. I ended up in Florida because I heard a voice. And look where I'm at. The voice told me I was going to be a pastor. Walked to a church. You're going to be the next pastor. What? Yeah, we're going to make a church. A month later, resting place here existed. Okay, uh, I'll continue to follow the voice. (laughs) It doesn't make sense to many, but when you hear the voice, you're gonna be like, Oh my god, that's you. He's like, Yeah, it's me. I was trying to talk to you the whole time. You weren't listening. He talks, he talks, I'm telling you. He talks into your spirit. Sometimes he talks audibly. Sometimes he just puts signs all around you. You're just like, whoa. Anyways, crown myself and continue the preaching. <laughs> no, I want to deliver this message. I'll get lost in the glory real quick. Um, but really I get found in the glory. <laughs> No, Bahami. <laughs> yes, yes. So she goes, she goes, I'm so drunk now. <laughs> Wait, so she goes, You can't even avoid it. <laughs> it's like, I just went, Atmospheres of glory. <laughs> and he was, but I'm going to finish this. Um, it, You know, God loves to play with his kids. He's like, Look at you trying to preach. I'm like, <laughs> you are trying to you trying to be serious now <laughs> and i'm just like <laughs> that's it i'm done <laughs> i'm done i don't even know what i'm doing now <laughs> oh my god you see how right i got I'm like burning up. <laughs> whoa i know he's like let's collide now i want you now it's like when you're in love right they might be like now baby he's like now i want you now come over here You know, he's like, I want to kiss you now, right? It's just the way that life is, even with your kids, right? Mom, not now. You're like, I love my child. Kids get embarrassed, like, the mom picks them up. Honey. And sometimes we're like that with God. We're like, God, stop, not now. Lord, Lord, not now. He's like, why not? I want to touch you now. Ah, praise God. Okay, I'm ready. So they bring the girl... They bring the the girl, I mean, they bring me to the girl, Wally, and she's like, they go, Wally, this is Abraham, Abraham, this is Wally. And I'm more like, I'm more like, and she's like. (laughs) You know, she just had attitude. She's like, what you doing here? And she goes, you are." Effing, she said the effing all the way, but I'm in church with the mic I won't say it because it's being recorded <laughs> But she goes, "You're an effing Christian, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I am an effing Christian. How do you know? <laughs> she, I was more she was trying to be mean, but I was like caught up in this joy like this is really happening right now So I didn't even though it came to offend me, it couldn't offend me And let me tell you something people could come against you to offend you but you decide if it offends you. Because you have the power to turn it around. Whatever the enemy created to destroy you, the Lord said in his word, I'll turn it around to bless you. So you choose if it hurts you or you choose if you use it as a weapon. Like the word of the Lord. I never had this revelation like this. But when the Lord said, right, with the same sword that Goliath was going to kill David. David didn't kill Goliath with another sword. Goliath came to kill him. He said, "Boop, knock down. Give me that sword. And killed him with his own sword. That was like, that scene should be in a movie, right? Like cool, Matrix. You know, like the head just flies in the air. Like, right? It should totally be like that. Or at least in anime. But um, so with the same sword that the enemy's trying to destroy you, with the same words, whatever you've been called in your life, God is telling you today, I'm about to turn it around. They told you you were good for nothing. You're going to be good for everything in the name of Jesus. They told you you're going to be last. God says you're about to be first. They said you're not going to succeed. You're about to overcome in the name of the Lord Almighty. It's being changed. So she couldn't offend me. I was excited. I agreed. I was like, I know them. Trust me, I'm not one of them, but I get you. Right? When somebody goes, oh, you, you're you one of those effing Christians, first remember they've been hurt. Okay? Oh, you're one of those Jesus believers. You know why somebody will go, you know why, you're one of those Jesus believers? And they start t- walking backwards. You know why? Because those Jesus believers hurt them. I promise. Try it out. Just be like, I'm sorry they hurt you. Say that. I don't care. It don't matter. It don't matter you didn't do it. We're one body. If my my left hand smacked you, then my right hand should at least comfort you. If I kicked you, then I should be willing to use my feet to walk to you. Because we're one body. Not saying you specifically did it. But if one part of the body hurt somebody, we could redeem it. We have the power to redeem it. What the enemy created to destroy us, God is trying to turn it around to bless us. Amen? But we need some mighty men and women of God, men and women of God that understand the kingdom, that understand heart. So when somebody's trying to walk away from you, like, I know. I know they hurt you. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what my brothers and sisters did to you. I'm sorry. And I believe God has a plan for you. And all of a sudden, guards come down. They're like, oh, you're not going to hurt me. It's like a puppy that's in the street or a little dog that's been abandoned and trying to survive people. You're trying to help them, but they're like, "Eh," right? It takes days to calm the puppy down, giving them little treats. Don't rush the puppy. Don't drag it. Be gentle. Be kind. Let them, let them see that you're good. Let them see that. Yes, you are a Christian and that you're not that type of Christian but that you are a Christian that has had an encounter with Jesus Christ, that you do love, that you understand, because you also found yourself in that place. You also were lost. She goes, and I told her, she goes, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then she goes, what are you doing here? And then she goes, Christians don't come to these type of places. And that builds such a confidence in me. I was like, well, now they do. Why are you here? I said, I'm here for you. What do you mean? Instead, I remember. What do you mean? Well, I was home, and I was crying, and people in church were making fun of me because I'm like you, because I've gone through this and this and this, and they didn't want to hear my story. They were telling me to shut up. And then Jesus came into my room and told me that I had to come to the club tonight because somebody needed to hear from him. And I just parked, and you start shouting that there's a light on me, so it's you. Really? Come, let's go in the club. Let's dance. I dance. I dance salsa. I'm a salsa instructor. I don't think there's nothing wrong with dancing. And I'm dancing with her salsa. Do you know God loves you so much? And you know the way that I'm twirling you? So is the Lord twirling you. And he's dancing with you. And he loves you. And he embraces you. She's like, oh, my God, really? So then I let her go. I sit at the bar. I order a cranberry juice. It was cranberry juice because I had a surgery. So I couldn't drink anything. I'm not trying to get up here and be like, oh, holy no. I was the perfect Christian because I don't drink. Why do you have a drink? Not, you know. No. I sat there because I had a surgery. My tonsils have been removed. Alcohol, only drink cranberry juice. I drank cranberry juice. But I was going, God, if that's the girl, if that's the person, let her come back. A little bit later, she comes back. She sits next to me. She said, Can I sit here? Sure. She said, What you doing? She goes, Honey, what are you doing? Now she was sweet. She's an African Christian. Now she's like, hey, honey. (laughs) And I'm just like, I remember that. was so funny. Can I sit here? Sure. She's like, can you keep telling me about Jesus? I like how you talk about him. You guys know if I talk good about Jesus or not. If I don't talk good about Jesus, take the mic right now. I talk better about Jesus now than I did then. I know him more. That's how many years? 10, 11, 12, 13, 15. 15 years right that girl who opening up father pentecostal raised in the church hurt abuse everything you could just like me everything you could think about she's been through we connect i get home that sunday morning that was saturday night i didn't get home till like six in the morning i call my pastor like, hey i'm not coming to church Whoa, what's wrong what's going on i was like i was up at the club What? What's going on? I was preaching. Since I was preaching and you were sleeping, well, now you go preach because I'm going to (laughs) sleep. They're like, praise the Lord, brother. But I used to break their head. I know I broke their head. Trust me. (laughs) But you know what? That Friday she came to church. When she walked through the doors of the church, the Holy Spirit came upon her. You know, 15 years later, we have God Adores You. That same girl, God gave her that organization. Put the God adores you up. God gave her this organization. God adores you. When when I used to give my testimony in church, and people used to call me the fag word, I remember I one time found out leaders were saying that. At that point, I lived in an attic. Praise God, I had upgraded. Now my ceiling was like this, so I had to walk like that. I used to bang my head all the time. Not this way now. It was this way. You had to put, like, stuff on the side and get on your knees and crawl to the edge of the wall because the walls were like that. Jersey. Anyways, um, I was home crying because, again, people were calling me names. This was before. This was 2005. And I was like, I hate when they call me fag. I'm trying to preach. I'm trying to love people. And this is what I get. Right? It was the enemy trying to stop me? And that night I fell asleep like this. I was looking at the wall, fetal, uh, my face to the wall, and my back to the room. My room lit up, and an angel came to my room. And he came here and he goes, You're no longer a fag, you're a fog. I get out of bed. I'm like, oh, fog. Like, what? You know, like, and I sit in my bed. I turn around, and like, I'm sitting, it was probably this far. I'm sitting there, and the angels, they're like this, all in white, shining face. And he's just like, yes. You are, I'm like, oh, fog. <laughs> like, what? That <laughs> didn't even make no sense whatsoever. So I'm like, oh, fog. He goes, yes. You are a fog because you are a friend of God. So, what the enemy created to destroy me, now God turns it around to bless me. And he only needed to change one letter. He's like, he took his eraser. Take that O out of there. No, take that A out of there. Oops. Take the A. Oh, I get it. The A is for Alpha. That was the beginning. Now he puts the O for the end. I started as dad, but now he gave me a new ending. Hallelujah. He's never shown me that one before. I'm like, whoa. Here we go again. Off to the glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is so good. If that was all those years ago. And he's still putting the puzzle together. I'm like, what? In a few days, it, it almost feels like it's one of those Rubik's cubes. He's like, look. Now see another side to it. Now see this side to it. And you're like, now? And you're like, what? And the deeper you go into the things of God, the more he keeps revolving. It's still the cube. But he's aligning it in a way that you see clearer and clearer and clearer. you're just like, oh, my God, I'm in love with the Lord. I just love him and bless them even more now for that revelation. Yeah. And I remember, I was like, one day I'm going to make a T-shirt. I still haven't made that T-shirt. Then I'm going to put, no longer a fag, but a fog. And I'm going to go to parades with this shirt that says I'm a fog. <laughs> my Instagram says I am a fog. I am fog. I am front of God. You know? If you go to my Instagram, find me now. Uh, not now, later. But anyways, she goes years later. She's in Bible college. She's serving the Lord. And God tells her, you're going to take the word gay back you're gonna take it back and it's gonna be God adores you it's changing the meaning right we know I know people take this for pride for gay pride I know the rainbow represents God's promise Right, But when I go to the parade and I see all those people in the rainbow, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a promise. There's a promise. And I just go down the street. There's a promise for you. Let me tell you what God says. And hey, you, let me tell you what God says about you. And hey, you, let me tell you what God says about you. And in one parade, oh, you could meet a million people. And then you could go to heaven, leave, die, go to heaven. You cut a harvest. I promise you, if you go in the right heart and you deliver in love, you're not going to want to leave. It's awesome. I used to be so afraid. She Wally was one of the first people. Now, people think I'm good at this. I'm good at evangelizing. I'm not. I don't think I am. I think I just love God because God loved me first. And I love God so much that I need for people to know how good he is. And that I was in a dark place. And that there is a hope and salvation for them as well. And you go, I'm telling you, people get magnetized. I seen the wildest people get touched by God. And before I was like, I could never go to a church and say this. I'll look at my parents. I was like, I can't even I'll come home excited, I'll look at them, I'm like, I'll go to my room. I won't even tell them. I won't tell so many Christians. You know why? Because a lot of them unfortunately are dream killers. You're making up stories. And you're stuck at home talking to the walls. And you're not doing what God called you to do. That's what I could say. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue. I always tell Christians, oh, you, you going out there celebrating gay pride. I was like, did you not read the banner? We have another banner really big that says, we are sorry for how the church treated you. And people read that banner. And as you, we've marched in New York City, we've marched. In, when God told us in 2015 to march in the parade, and she called me. She's like, we're going to march in the parade in New York City. I was like, what? I'm going to get killed. Like, I'm going to get killed by Christians. We're going to get massacred. And the fear starts coming in. I'm like, I'm going to fast and pray, Lord Jesus, you want me to do this? He goes, I want you to go. Even the morning of, I woke up that morning, I'm shaking, it was on a Sunday. I'm like, Lord Jesus, we, we got to do, this has to be right. If people perceive this in the wrong way, oh, my God, we don't, you know? Because you want to you wanna keep the sanctity right. You want to lead people in the right way. So I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus, Lord, you need to tell me for real, for real. We don't want to do this wrong. We want to do this right. We have two. People think it's just one side. Can I tell you, you're getting hit by the Christians. Oh, you're affirming homosexuality. And then you got the LGBT community going, oh, you're trying to change us. You're trying to do this. And in reality, I'm in the middle going, I love you both. And I want both to get saved. And I want both sides to know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can think or ask. But you're being knocked by both sides. Both sides has a different perception, but if they stood in the middle, they could look to the left and they could look to the right and could understand what God is doing. My, not many believers would understand. Starting started with my own family. But I said, I'm going to go. The Lord said the same way that I picked up that cross and I was walking through the streets, made a fool, laughing, mocked, but I was carrying the message of my Father. You will pick up that banner and you will announce my love. And I said, Here we go. And I was shaking, I was shaking in, the, in my boots. When we were there, like, oh my god, the whole time. And when we got to the line, I don't know what happened when we got to the line. We're about to start, is our turn? Because there's like hundreds and thousands of organizations. You're waiting for five hours just to march for like an hour or two. Shaking, shaking, shaking. And as soon as we get to that line, boldness. I don't know. Boldness. I'm roaring in the middle of New York. City. I never in my life thought that I would be screaming the name of Jesus. Okay? I never thought I would be doing it in any place, but especially uh, like a pride parade, I never in a million years thought, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He wants you to come to him. And the boldness, let's go. No shame whatsoever, freedom. And as people are falling on their knees, I'm like, pick him up crying. Can I get another hug? I haven't been hugged in years. This is what you can mean. People that are hurting, nobody said get away. If anything, they were like, finally, we're hearing good news. Yeah, you saw those signs? You saw those signs in that video, right? What was missing in all those signs? You know, not one of those signs says God loves you. You know, not one of those signs says um, there's salvation available. Imagine going to a heavyweight person and saying, hey, you're fat. Or going to a girl that might not feel so pretty. Go, you're so ugly. You should kill yourself. You're going to a depressed person and going, you're so depressed, you're not going to make it out of that depression. I want you to know that that's what those Christians are doing. And not in the name of my God. We don't serve the same God. That's not the same God. Because if you only take one part of the scripture, you don't get the whole scripture. Uh, The wicked will burn. Yeah, before wicked burn, the Bible says in Isaiah 55 God wants all the wicked to turn from their wicked ways. That God is ready to love them with lavish forgiveness. Okay? When Jesus sent his messenger, he says, Go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come. Compel the good and compel the bad. And tell them to come. He didn't come to leave you bound, He didn't even come for you to free yourself. He knows you cannot free yourself. He knows you cannot heal yourself. He knows you cannot restore yourself. He came to do the work. And we as messengers go out to say there is a hope. There is a salvation. There is a healer. There is a redeemer. But it's bringing Jesus with it. Frankie, can you lower the AC? I think it's getting hot or it's me. I don't know which one it is. We have, um, I'm going to read the scripture. And I hope this is blessing you. And I hope this is not making you feel condemned because it comes with no condemnation whatsoever. I want to see the church arise and not just have church in four walls. It's good to do this. But this, entering the presence of God, should lead us to go to the lost. To go to the rebellious, to go to the wicked, to go to the evil, to go to the broken. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, I could recite that by memory. I love Isaiah chapter 6. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphims, each had six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. And with two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. He's seen the glory. He goes, woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, a man that had a foul mouth. A man that had a dirty mouth, coming from a people with a dirty mouth. Probably cursing, insulting, gluttonous. So a lot of things we do with our unclean mouths. But he repented. You see, when you see the glory of God and the Son is the glory of the Father, when you see the glory of God, it will lead you to repentance. It will just make you drop on your knees and go, What? I thought that I knew something, and now that I see your glory, I realize I know nothing. I was trying to do it on my own, and now I see your glory, and I realize that I need you. Then a seraphim, you see, he confessed. The very thing, guys. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. He said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is removed. So the very thing created to destroy you, God purifies it. His mouth was his problem. But the angel comes and comes and goes, bling, healed. You thought your lips were unclean and now they're clean. Maybe your sin is your hands. Maybe your sin is your mind. Maybe your sin is in your heart. Maybe your sin is in your feet i don't know what it is but the fire of god comes to bling touch that spot and the very thing you call unclean he heals it with me was the names that they called me the label that i had on my head and he got says no longer that but now a friend now you're a friend and you know friends real friends talk really good about their friends even when they're talking bad about your friend, be like, oh, you shouldn't talk bad about it, That's my friend. I know my friend. You don't have to fight. Be like, well, you know what? I know them. And I go to their house, and they're so nice. And they're so sweet. And they treat me so good. I love them so much. You should come with me. I'm going to invite you over. I'm going to tell them, and let's heal this. Let's be a peacemaker, and let's create a relationship. That's what we do. And that's what we do with God. That's what I'm doing with God. I know they told you God hates you. But I'm here to tell you God loves you. you. You were chosen. Why did I come from so far? To meet the king. You know that you were chosen out of all your people? You. You thought you were unseen. You thought you were just going to live this normal life. And now you find yourself with a people that you did not know. So far away from everything you knew. And now you live such a different life. And God says it's because I saw you. And because I chose you and because I formed you in your mother's belly. Because you always wonder what was your purpose. And your purpose is greater. You're such a healer. You heal. And the day you open your mouth and you share your story, so many people are going to get healed. And so many people are going to have dreams. (laughs) And when you thought you wouldn't meet Prince Charming, you met him. (laughs) <laughs> when you thought it was over, God said, let's start. Now it's when your story's starting. And your story's not ending where it began. It's a brand new story. And I see you speaking because I see the Lord flooding your heart with such a love that you're just going to have to tell everybody. Like, it's not like you better. You're going to be like, I want to. People are be like, no, you shouldn't. No, I really want to talk about this right now. Please give me Give me, Give me. the mic. I see you're going to speak. <laughs> Watch. I see you speaking. Like people are going to come and like sit. I see you sitting and I see a lot of women just sitting on the floor listening to you speak your stories. And like, wow. People are going to find so much hope in your story. So much hope. Unending. I just see women gathering. And I just, I don't know why, but I see them all sitting on the floor. And you're like on this, almost like a little a tree stump like a little stool, and you're sitting there just talking with this smile and this joy and this peace, and and they're all like, it's amazing. And it's going to make sense. Don't fear, because when the time comes, you're not going to force it. It's going to gracefully come out, because you're graceful in the garden of the Lord. And it's going to be so graceful. You're full of grace. <laughs> and it's going to just be grace flowing from you that's going to draw the people in with so much love and kindness and goodness. That's what I see. (laughs) God is good. I got to go back to where was I? (laughs) Anyways, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. And you were chosen out of your family, out of your friends. Like, Really, think about it. Think about where you used to be. Why you made it out. Why were you the one pulled? Whether the clubs, whether it was the religion, whether it was depression, whether it was abuse and accusation, loneliness. And yet God chose every single one of you. And he just picked this one and this one and this one putting them together. He's like, I think I'm going to form a body. And he saw us. And he just picked us from different nations. And he's bringing us together to this little place in Tampa, Florida. Why? For glory. For healing. For the salvation of souls that are hurting and lost. For people that need to hear that God adores them. Some people go, well, God doesn't adore nobody. Well, go to your dictionary and read the meaning of adores. Adores. It means also one of the meanings of adores is to love intentionally, fervently. It's a high passion love. It's an intense love that doesn't give up. He adores you. Not adores you. But when you grab your baby, right, or your grandchild, you're like, oh, adore this little thing. You know, you just love it. Well, God just loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much, he's squeezing the hell out and the heaven in. He's all the hell out and heaven in, heaven in. Until you're just like, I'm love. Until you just surrender, and it's okay. You could get on the rooftops and say, I am loved by my Father. I will walk down the street and sing a song of the Lord. I will paint paintings of my Lord, even if they look cartoonish. It's okay. And then you can tell the world. You can tell the world just like Isaiah. He was a man of unclean lips, but then the fire of God comes. Fire is love. God is love. People always in religion and law, they go, God is love, yeah. Because I know I go out there, I'm like, God loves these people. Yeah, God is love, but he's also consuming fire. And it's not like that. I'm like, stop that witch spirit. That's witch spirit. It's like this. God is love, and he's also a consuming fire. He's going to consume you with so much love that you give up. I mean, we were all doing hot messes, and then you fall in love, right? And then you meet the one you love, and you're like, I'll give up on all of that. You could have been out dating somebody else, right? You could have been dating somebody else, right? But you met the one that loves you, Right? So you gave up on all of that. You gave up on all of that. When you get married, right, you gave up on certain dreams because you meet the one you love. Let's talk to the older couple that's been married for years, right? You could have had different people. You could have been somewhere else, right? But because you loved, you say, you're the one that I will walk this life with, right, for the rest of my life. Even if we're alone, it will always be you and me, right, right? That's it. It's a covenant. It's love. What is the same with the Lord? When you meet the one that loves your soul, when you discover, when you know you were wretched, you were broken, you were a hot mess. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was sick. I thought I was hopeless. And 20-something years later, I've been walking with him. I'm more in love with him than I was then. I didn't even know he loved me then. And then he told me he loved me. I was like, do you love me? He's like, I love you. And I'm like, you still love me? He goes, I still love you. And I'm like, do you still love me? (laughs) And I follow hard after him. (laughs) I follow his footsteps. (laughs) I do. I jump in them. They're that big. (laughs) I do. I really do. I've seen his footsteps, and I just jump in, and then I jump to the next one. I mean, it's a bigger jump than that. But I do. I drew it. I'll show you my iPad later. (laughs) <laughs> but I follow his leading I'm like I found the one that loves me and now I follow his footsteps and I call to the other ones like yo guys come come jump on the footsteps let's follow him all the way to eternity and when it's unveiled we're gonna party <laughs> we're gonna celebrate we're gonna dance all night <laughs> you know so we tell people the same oh but what you're telling them about this What you're telling them about that I said I'm not discipling in the streets you don't correct without connection. You can't correct without relationship. So you're going to tell me I could come and beat your kid some discipline right now? Somebody, if you had your child on the street, you're going to let some strangers just come correct your child. Psh, behave. No, you better not. So why are total strangers should come discipline God's kids and beat God's kids? They don't want connection. They want authority over people subjugate people no you love people a real pastor smells like sheep okay you smell like the people you're with the people you're loving the people we need more pastors because one pastor with a 500 sheep in a mega church how do you even it's even here and i'm like (laughs) that's really my spirit just like lord i i feel like i can't keep up and this just started we need leaders. Let's work together. We work together. If if we all build up, if churches get this, if people get love, no church in Tampa. This is not about the resting place South Tampa campus becoming a mega church. No. There's too many people in Tampa to fit in any mega church. And then there's no relationship. I believe every church, if every believer got filled with the love of God and the true honest revelation of who God is, and the honest revelation of what they've done so they could share and encourage other people that found themselves in those situations. Isaiah was chosen with unclean lips to go reach people of unclean lips. The fire of God came upon his lips. And he said, well, I'm a man of unclean lips, right? Then the seraphim takes the coal, places it on his lips, and says, see This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. God purifies your mouth. It's not to be silent. What God has done for you is not a secret. It's to go public. Your sin was a secret. Your victory and deliverance is public. So you could announce it. And then he goes, then I heard the Lord. After God delivers him, the Lord's like, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. You think I'm playing? You think I'm playing? You think I'm playing? Read my wrist. Uh, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I know I saw the glory of God. I put God's name on me. I didn't get a tattoo because I wanted a tattoo. I said, even my flesh belongs to you. Even my flesh will worship you. Even when I don't worship you, I'm going to have to look at my arm and be like, you're here. I will remind myself that you're with me. Because I know I go through stuff, and I get discouraged, and I want to give up, and I want to run run away. I want to disappear. But I'm going to remind myself that the great I am is with me. Here I am. I told the Lord, here I am years ago. And because I told the Lord over 20 years ago, here I am, today I'm standing here. I've walked those streets. I've met broken people. And I will continue to do it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is. I'm not just quoting a Bible verse. It is salvation for whosoever believes. I believe. I've experienced salvation. And he was chosen. In the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10 it says if you declare with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart a lot of people are declaring it but they're not believing it you gotta believe you're saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith because from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks if you're really in love with Jesus there you need to break whatever's holding your mouth back, you need to let it go because you're flooding inside and you should be flooding towards the outside. The river's going not in, the river's going out. The river starts in. And a lot of a lot of Christians are frustrated. Because they're ashamed of their story. They're ashamed of what God's done in their life and they don't want to tell nobody. What if the church found out that I did drugs or that I cheated? It don't matter. If the church finds out, we're going to praise God with you. Open your mouth. There is power in your testimony. It's flooding out of you. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame so they shouldn't be shame and then the Lord asks a question for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and then the Lord is asking a question how then can they call on the one they have not believed in how can these people that were on the, on, the, on the screen, how can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? They heard of a monster. They heard of Zeus. They heard of a God that wants to destroy them. But what about Jesus, the one that makes a way? What about Jesus that is the truth and the life? What about Jesus that has kissed their heart with forgiveness? What about Jesus that has crowned their heads with love and mercy? What about Jesus that makes all things new? What about Jesus that heals the sick, that, that opens the eyes of the blind and opens the ears of the deaf and, and opens the mouth of the mute? What about Jesus that heals the lepers and Jesus that makes the lame man walk? What about Jesus that feeds the hungry? What about Jesus that, captives the, that sets free the captives? They don't know him because you saw the signs. They haven't told them about him. They told them about a God that's waiting for them to do it in their own effort, but they don't know about the God that hung on a cross because he loves them. A God that says, it's finished. Why are you trying to work it out when I paid the price? And all I ask of you is to believe me that I am the son of God, that I am God himself redeeming you. How can they believe if the church is not telling them? So what that we worship God in four walls? But the world cannot believe in Jesus because the church is not telling the world about Jesus. So what? I had a man on Facebook write to me yesterday, not believing that there's people in the world that are hurt, that used to be in church and hurt. He goes, it's your pain speaking. I was like, I don't got no pain. I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. I've been healed by men and women of God that are speaking life into my life. I'm crying out for the victims. I'm crying out for the abused and the rejected. For the ones that haven't been told about the love of God. I know in the world there's people that are straight up rebellious and they don't want nothing to do with Jesus. But there's also a whole bunch of people that have been rejected, abused, and don't feel like there's any hope whatsoever. That have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in its true form, which is love. So how can they believe? If the churches are having church, but we don't preach, we don't teach, we don't love, we don't feed, we don't heal. We have our circles circles, and we pray really good inside the four walls and we preach really good. And we have all the good theological views and explanations of the sciences and the mysteries that we think we have. But what does all that matter if at the end of it you have no love? What does it matter that you give your body to be sacrificed and at the end you have no love? What does it matter that you speak in tongues and know of a mysteries beyond mysteries but have no love? What does it matter? What does it matter that you walk by broken people every day and you know the answer and you keep it to yourself? Does that not make you greedy? Does that not make you selfish? And I know this is the point where some will be like, "Mm, I'm offended. Then repent. Because it's not to offend. It's to heal the bride. Because we've forgotten our first love. To forget your first love is to forget where he met you. To forget your first love is to forget that you were watching pornography, masturbating, addicted to all types of drugs, all type of lust, even food. It's to forget you were depressed and suicidal, drinking your sorrows away, sleeping your sorrows away, gossiping and slandering your sorrows away, criticizing your sorrows away, mocking your sorrows away, or hiding in your religious ways. We're all guilty of it. We are all guilty of it. But not to share is to forget. Not to share. What he did for you, he is able to do for them. That's what it's about. It's not about religious. You better get 100,000 souls saved. You better get five souls saved per week. No. What does it matter that you're reading a script to people and you have no passion for them? What does it matter you led them to Christ and forgot them? What does it matter that you make them say a prayer that you yourself don't even know if you believe? You think it's a prayer that saves? It's Jesus that saves. It's invoking his name that saves. It's not a religious tradition, routine, or cycle that saves. It's the very love of God being poured out from heaven onto earth, from one dimension into another, from spirit realm into physical realm. He loves you so much that he entered one dimension into another dimension. Who loves you from one dimension to another? People in your very dimension don't even love you. Sometimes you don't even love yourself. And he loves you so much that he entered from invisible realm into physical realm. You think think about a supreme being. You think a supreme being cares about an ant? Because at the end of the day, that's how little we are before him. You're not even thinking about the cells in your body right now. You're not thinking about the chromosomes that are keeping you alive. Your chromosomes are keeping you pretty well balanced. Your potassium levels are keeping you alive right now. You're not even thinking about that. Those levels went off right now. You're dropping dead right now. But we don't think that. And yet God thinks that. God thinks of the teeny, 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 tiny things like you and me. And comes from another dimension where we really don't even exist and enters this dimension to find us and bring us into his place. And if he did it with me, and if he did it with you, he's gonna do it with them. Amen. And how can they believe in the one whom they have never heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So, the message title today is Will You Go? Will you go? And I'm done. I know it's it's like I know it's like straight up Holy Ghost pork chops. Straight up. But like like Spider-Man says, or Uncle Ben says, with great power comes great responsibility. You know? We received all this power from God. We get to enjoy the goodness of God here. You know how good he is. You get to giggle and joy and dance and praise. There's people out there that need it. They need to know. They might not know it this way at first. At first, you might have to come a little bit proper. Be like, hey, how you doing? Let me tell you about Jesus. He loves you. Later on, they'll get drunk, too, and fall on the floor laughing. Like, whoa, I didn't know it was like this. It's okay. Trust me, one day, I'm expecting everybody in here to have open eye vision at the same time. But I'll lock the doors because you're going to run down the street. Like, I see the glory. <laughs> I've seen people get hit with the glory. They start running. I'm like, catch them. They don't know what they're doing because they, you just start seeing beautiful things. Every Like, you see everything in its true form. And I'm telling you, you'll be like, take me to the beach now. be like, no, you will have a heart attack if you see the true form of the beach. <laughs> I've seen the true form of the beach, and I almost fainted. <laughs> I've seen nature worship God all at once, and I'm like, is this happening? My friend's like, yeah, it's happening right now. I'm like, but all of creation is worshiping him, you know. But, and I'm praying for open eye visions for everybody, like straight-up open eye in the glory. Like, there you go. You wanted to see? There you go. But when it happens, I'm warning you. When it happens, you're going to preach the gospel because you will encounter Jesus face to face and you will not be able to stop yourself. Your whole life might change. Some people, you know, might be like, you don't go crazy. You lost your mind. You can't stop talking about this Jesus guy. But then they're going to go, but why people keep blessing you? Why is that? Why is your life changing around? I'm like, I'm telling you the truth. He's blessing me because he's good. And when you realize that he's good, you discover his goodness. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.